You're listening to The Simply Flawsome Show, a podcast designed for you to listen, learn, and leverage. Please welcome your host, Zoe Turner. I'm very excited to announce our new partnership with Rove and thank them for the support for this episode and for future episodes. So we are now on season six, episode six, sorry, of season two, which is all about celebrating incredible women. I've spoken to some amazing women so far and I've got an absolute gem for you today also. What you may know about today's guest is that for the last 12 years, she established a successful online marketing agency. She's multilingual and she currently speaks fantastic English, Spanish, Vietnamese, Japanese. She's a citizen of the world and she loves to travel. What you may not know about her is that she has suffered from anxiety disorder for many years, of which she has not shared with a network for fear of being judged. Despite her struggles with mental health, she's adapted her lifestyle and manages to control her anxiety so that she can still operate a successful business. That's why I'm excited about this interview, because this season is all about bringing you inspiring women from all walks of life who have an incredible story and message to share. I admire this lady for finally feeling that she should or can share her experiences in the hope that it might help others to seek help. So please welcome Charmin Thring from Charm Marketing to the podcast today. Hi Zoe, thank you for that lovely introduction. <laughs> Hi Charmaine, thank you so much for, for coming on today. Um, Charmaine, start this, to kick this off, can you tell us a little bit more about yourself, about your journey, um, where you were from and what inspired you uh, to set up your own digital online marketing company? Um, yeah, I'd love to share that. I came from a, a, a corporate background, actually in Perth, Australia. So for people that know Australia, I was born in Sydney, which is New South Wales. We ended up in Perth um, and my family and I, uh, that we lost the business. So we went bankrupt and personally bankrupt. So it was pretty rough there for a number of years um, growing up on council estates and things like that. So I never really liked school. I was very good at it, but I didn't like it. Mm. Um, and I was working since I was 13. And so I didn't really, I wanted to do things on my terms. So when I finished school, I didn't finish that well because <laughs> I was hanging out with not a very good crowd, mm -hmm. but I managed to turn around and at 22, I talked my way, I talked my way, Zoe, into a job with um, uh, Greater Union Cinemas, which is a big cinema company in Australia. Mm -hmm. And I started off um, as the assistant and worked my way up to the promotions assistant and the first um, state marketing manager, the youngest mm -hmm. one ever in the company. And mm -hmm. so I had a really good grounding in a corporate background for five years of marketing. Everything I learned, I learned there. I was actually at university at night time studying marketing and I was working full time during the day. And then on the weekends, I would work in the cinema for extra money. And uh, what I found is that a lot of the things that we did in the marketing and the office, we, we were, they were having problems at the, um, 
at the counter where, you know, you buy the tickets. And so on a Monday, sometimes as marketing people, we couldn't understand why the promotion didn't work. And what I found out very early on and that I still carry over now into my clients' businesses is that you have to know what's going on on the front line. So I would understand that this promotion didn't work because a coupon didn't, um, we had barcodes in those days, <laughs> didn't mm -hmm. scan. And so I was able to give the upper level managers in Sydney a really good report every week on what happened at the cinema level. Mm. And um, so I absolutely loved marketing. I had two, two things I wanted to do. I wanted to be an actress. Mm -hmm. I wanted to work in marketing. Mm -hmm. Before upbringing, I decided it was going to take too long to make money to be an actress. So I went for the marketing. Okay. So, Shamin, was there anyone special in your childhood that influenced you to be the woman that you are today? I mean, who was your greatest teacher when you were growing up? Uh, probably hardship, really. <laughs> I mean, I've got to say, I kind of figured a lot of things out on my own. Um, I never knew if I was doing it right. I'd love to say there was a teacher or something that had a big effect, but there wasn't really. I just started work and I started paying bills and I moved out of home at 15 and a half. And um, it was just life experience, really. Was, I think who was, who was more influential, your mum or your dad? Well, that's a difficult one. Because at that time, neither of them were on board with what I was doing. <laughs> um, probably my dad, who I lost last year, not mm -hmm. negating my mum at all. Um, she passed away much earlier, unfortunately, only 57. But, yeah, dad was always, like, saying go for it in business and things like that. Don't take a job like I have. Go and, like, do a business. His one bit of advice was don't go and get pregnant as a teenager over if you do that and that's no disrespect to any teenage mums that was just my dad's advice and then last year when I was holding his hand and he died he said to me I didn't tell you never to have kids <laughs> I said well dad I took the advice on board but anyway I got a bit off track there as I do so I'll just bring that back in I left Perth at 27 to travel the world mm -hmm. and I came after I was supposed to go for a year and I came back five years later and I said to myself, oh, boy, well, how am I going to travel the world now for the rest of my life and make a living because I'm addicted to this travelling? And so I did some Googling at what the jobs were for the next 10, 20 years and I popped digital marketing. And I said, well, I'm in marketing, so why don't I just add the digital aspect onto that and, and get into digital marketing because it's something I love doing, plus I can travel and have the lifestyle that I want. So that's how I ended up in digital marketing. So you've been involved in the industry when it was very much in its infancy. Yeah, well, I started back when we had fax machines. You know, I don't even know how to use one of those these days. And um, we did four-colour print and bromides and it was newspaper um, advertisements. And I did a lot with TV and a lot of radio promotions. And so then really it's just a change of the type of the vehicle of the media. So rather than making scripts for radio or TV, you're now writing the copy and doing the scripts and the and the images for Facebook or YouTube or whatever it might be. So it's just the vehicle of the media that changed. Tell me a little bit about the journey with your company. What has been the most difficult challenges and how have you overcome them? Mm, I think um, the most difficult thing was getting started because I did actually work with um, a, a partner of mine, like a boyfriend, um, and created a business uh, with him, a soccer business. It was very, very successful. Kind of just dropped the whole thing. And what I realized at that point, Zoe, was that it doesn't matter how many businesses I create with other people, if they drop out and they're the main person at the front, that leaves me with nothing, right? Because I, can't, I couldn't go out there and do the soccer lessons. He booked in and the person went MIA. I couldn't go out 
and I could do the marketing. I had everyone booked in, but I couldn't go out and perform that skill, right? As a result of that, you're doing it on your own now. I took a, um, I took my first trip to Vietnam with my family because my stepmom and stepbrother are Vietnamese and my dad, of course, my sister and her fiance, uh, her well, boyfriend at the time. And it was on that trip to Vietnam that I not only fell in love with Vietnam, oh my goodness, I just fell in love the minute I got off the plane, right? Um, but I got back and, you know, the day I got back, I remember walking into my house because I just bought a house. So I didn't have very much money because all your money goes to the house, right? down on the sofa Zoe I did not even unpack my bags and I said charm marketing and I went and registered the domain the Facebook the Twitter and I briefed in my first website because I was already outsourcing for with the previous business my very first website and I said boom that's my business and that's how I started I hadn't even unpacked my bags and the name just came to you from out of nowhere well I said you know what marketing is about having charm it fits with my name. It fits with marketing. It was available. <laughs> the .com, I wanted .com because it was global. It was available. And I thought it just, it just hit me. And I said, you know what? If you overthink it, you won't do it. Caught up on a name, on a logo, on this or that. Just dive right in because I ended up changing my logo. I ended up changing my website later. I've just rebranded and bring out a new website now. So don't like fuss over all those small things. Just get going. You fall over, it doesn't matter. You're going to make mistakes along the way. Yeah, just take action. You can spend so long, can't you? I, I do this all the time. i just trying to get things perfect. And then I, I just end up taking no action at all. Hmm. But your podcasts have been amazing. It's so wonderful to see you doing them. Thank you. I'm really pleased at how well they're going. And it is a complete learning curve and it's a journey. And, and I think because the platform is so visible, it does really make you want to improve and just work on yourself all the time, you know, so that you bring in value to your audience. So, but thank you for that. Thank you. Sorry. Um, and this is my first podcast. <laughs> Amazing. Well, thank you. I'm so happy that you've chosen this one to be uh, to make it your first. Charmaine, as you're aware, the theme of all my episodes is mental health. Now, yes. I was particularly surprised recently when you told me that you suffer from anxiety because I've been following you online for, for quite some time and it's it's not something that I've heard you speak about. You yeah, no, quite I well with your online persona. Is there any reason why you've chosen not to address this or talk about it? Um, yeah, a couple of reasons. Number one, because I think everybody has problems, right? Some yeah. people have bad backs, some people have bad marriages, some people have diabetes, some people have other things. So it's the way that I view it, it's just it's my Achilles tendon. Achilles, is that what you call it? Achilles heel. Achilles heel. Um, Achilles heel. It's my Achilles heel and I've had it my whole life. It's hereditary in the family on the, on the female side. And so I've learnt to deal with it and just see it as a challenge and work my way around it. So I never really felt that it was something that I had to like openly talk about because you don't want to, to be honest, number one, you think clients might not want to work with you. But you know what? It's exactly the opposite because it's my energy and drive and everything that I put into things is what makes me very successful in marketing. In time, the anxiety only comes up when you're not listening to your body. Working, when you don't take time out, when you haven't been eating the right foods, you know, I stay up late at night because I am a night owl. Um, and when you do those things, it accumulates into exhaustion and 
exhaustion, of course, then can create anxiety. And I'm a little bit more predisposed to it than other people, but I'm very high functioning. So I can do like two, three launches, motor my way through, and then I call it my downtime. So I like project work rather than having a job. So I'll work on projects and then I actually schedule in downtime because mm. I know I'm going to be exhausted. Sometimes it flares up a little bit when unexpectedly, like this weekend just gone and I'm under, unfortunately. But it was the weekend and I had just finished redoing two websites and my course ready to launch and I had scheduled in downtime, just not early enough. So I didn't really feel the need to share it before because I didn't think it was anything major, to be honest. Yeah, I guess you've said that you function very well. You've been functioning quite well over the years. So I guess for yourself, it's just been kind of like a natural thing. It's been part of who you are. Mm, exactly. And I mean, I work my business around it. I mean, I, I'm better at night. So, you know, always in my business, I've always been more of a night person, even mm -hmm. at school. So I just said to clients, listen, contact me after 10.30, right? But you can call me up to seven or eight o'clock at night. Once you get home from your business and your work, because when people are at work, Zoe, they can't focus on thinking about their marketing. And mm -hmm. you know what happens? Marketing companies say, oh, we shut at five o'clock. Well, I don't shut at five o'clock. My team doesn't shut at five o'clock. So I will take the calls after in what we consider to be after hours, which is my working hours. And it actually works really good for my clients because they're mainly CEOs or the business owner and they've mm -hmm. been interrupted all day. And so they can sit down and call me at 7.30 at night. I'm at my most creative, my most relaxed, right? We go through what they need to get done. And then I go away and work on that autonomously with my team and I deliver results and they can go back to running their business the next day. And it actually works to my advantage. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Listening to a podcast yesterday with Whitney Cummings and Lewis Hose, and mm. it was so interesting. Um, you know, she'd had such a difficult background and she'd been in therapy for so many years and worked on herself so much. So the insight that she gave during the podcast was incredible. And one thing that she mentioned was that so much in the social media today about, you know, turn on Instagram and it's just kind of like, you know, everyone talking about how happy they are, blah, blah, blah. And But she's like, you know, anxiety is actually a good thing. And just like you said then, it's, basically means that your body's way of telling you to slow down has to change so as long as we're aware and we're listening to the signals that we're getting from the anxiety and we're making changes in our lifestyle you know it can be perceived as as a good thing as well um just like anything um and as long as you're aware of that and you like i saw the warning signs last week and i but i ignored them zoe because i really wanted to launch my course at digital marketer and then on that morning i ended up in a heap having a really bad anxiety attack but you know why if i had a pulled up three or four days earlier and said listen let's just put the course launch off and go to the event and enjoy it right but you know i didn't want to let my team down zoe well fantastic um outsourced freelancers that back me up all the time as a marketing person they actually get myself but a whole team of people as well so they're not just like um having one consultant they've got a marketing person with a massive team so i can have 12 people working at once and i had a special um it was part of the course that it was uh, the freelancers were included in a special way which people will find out later this week and really i didn't want to let the team down and the team down because they all said we could have waited a week charmaine too overexcited because i get 
you can tell I do get very excited about things. Mm -hmm. And if I had pulled up those three days earlier and listened to the warning signs, I wouldn't have even gone there. I would have been fine. I could have put my feet up and had a cup of tea. Charmaine, anxiety and mental health issues, or mental health in particular, is quite common amongst entrepreneurs because of the nature of, of kind of the work, so to speak. It's very up and down. Feel that. The anxiety and the difficulties that you've you experience with your mental health are, are a result of your chosen career path. No, definitely not on that one, um, because I've always uh, worked from a young age, and um, I've generally worked in apart from my five years in corporate. Everything else I've always done has been entrepreneurial, and I'm very very good at going with the the different cycles. I, I know when I have a down cycle, like I just took a month off to rebrand and now I know I'm going to be coming back into like client work and growing the business to the next level. I'm comfortable with that. My anxiety more has come from hereditary and has come from um, childhood trauma, like us, the family losing the business, going bankrupt and things like that at a very young age. That's where it's come from, not my entrepreneurial journey. I'm really happy with that. In fact, it's fantastic because I get to work my own hours. I make my own schedule. I travel the world. So for some people, I do understand that. But no, for me, like I just couldn't do a job. Actually going to a job, Zoe, and having to be there at 9 a.m., that gives me anxiety. <laughs> gives me anxiety too. You mentioned earlier, Charmaine, about having a team behind you. Like you mentioned that you've, um, you could have actually taken a week off, but you didn't want to let your team down. But it sounds to me that you have a, a strong sense of accountability, which is really good. But the thing, I guess the question I want to focus on, um, as a solo entrepreneur, it's, you know, you said you didn't want to let your team down. I guess in many ways, one thing that I found quite quite challenging when I have kind of new projects is that there's only me and mm. you know and I have quite a strong sense of responsibility and, and accountability so when you have people that you're working alongside you're more likely to stick to deadlines do you feel that it helps you be more productive when you're working with a team and you're, you've put a team together um, yeah, definitely. I think so. Because this team I started to put together two years ago, and then um, a few things happened in between, you know, my father passed last year. And then I figured I worked out who stuck with me and who didn't. And they're an outsource team, they're freelancers, they work with other clients as well. And I know a lot of people say people aren't going to work for you unless they just work for you. But how could I be a true entrepreneur and, and be a role model for other people if I had people working for me in a job? if I had employees, because I know my spirit is much better and my creativity is much better when I have freedom. So when my writers all say to me, Charmaine, listen, I wasn't in the mood to do that last night, as long as it's not due the next day, I'm going to do it tomorrow because I have to get in their creative zone. I'm fine. But I always give enough leeway. But if we're running on a tight deadline, like for a client or for this week, we, we do push as a team. We don't like, I never miss deadline. The only deadline I missed was my own deadline. So I was more mortified about that, to be honest. But wow. then when I look back at it, you know, I put in, normally a client's work would take a month, right, to do a website for them to get back to me and revisions and everything and, and the team. And I did two websites for my own business and a whole course in, in a month with my team. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so um, I do find having the team now that we really gelled together well, everybody knows their roles and is on deadline and everybody knows that if they're late, they're going to affect the, ne the next person in the team. And that mm -hmm. means that that person is not going to make money 
and they're actually keeping each other accountable now, which is great. Charmaine, going back to what we were talking about before, which is mental health, and it's something mm. that you've never really spoken about before. What has changed? What has happened recently? What's changed that's resulted in you now feeling that you're, you're ready to open up about it? I just think it was the other day when I was having the anxiety and I'd missed going to digital marketer and I felt like I'd let my team down. And then I said, you know what, like if I had a broken my leg right now, or had a car accident, people wouldn't have thought anything about it. Right. So, you know what, maybe people do need to know that these things happen. And I wouldn't say that like I've, I put up all the good things in my life on social media because I've also put up, you know, things that have happened that aren't that good as well. Um, but then I said, well, you know, maybe there's people out there that don't uh, worried about starting a business. How are they going to do the business if they've got anxiety? And then they don't start that business because of it. And there's ways you can work around things. And I just didn't, I don't know, something, a light bulb went off and I just said, maybe it's time that I, I need to share. But of course, I've got a bit of reservations about people thinking now, oh, she gets anxiety sometimes, we don't want to work with her. But I think as many um, business owners and CEOs will know, um, you know, they, they're under high stress and things like that and have to take time out. And so I think it's the way that we, the perspective that we put on it. So we can put it in a negative light or we can put it in a positive light. And I'd like to try and put it in a positive light for people. I know I, I like honesty. I like it when people are speaking the truth. And do you feel like people were, you know, are more relatable when they're being kind of open about about the challenges that they experience? Um, I'm a bit divided on that one. I would have said yes, except that there's so many people now going onto social media. And this has actually stopped me sharing a lot of things about my background and, you know, us losing the business and being bankrupt and homeless and growing up on council estates and working from a young age. I've never, ever once mentioned that, Zoe, ever. Of course, everybody that, not everybody, there are many people now that haven't gone through those challenges that lie. And they say that stuff on social media just to get likes, to get comments and to sell, right? I've never had a problem growing my business and I haven't had to, I haven't divulged those things. And these days I honestly can't tell who's, who's telling the truth and who's not telling the truth. And I think it's a marketing tactic now that's been overused. And so I steer clear of it. Something everyone loves a good like sob story, don't they? You know, um, you know, someone who's had a really difficult upbringing and then they do really well and it is something that's used a lot. I just felt like it was a little bit overused and um, I just didn't feel the need to go down that path. And actually it wasn't until I'd been training some freelancers in um, other countries that I shared a bit more of my story with them because they're so eager to learn about like how did I start out and I actually, to be honest, I relate to them better than Zoe than really wealthy people because I know the struggle that they're going through and I was happy to share with them because they appreciate it. And I, I, I don't want anything in return for that. I'm not writing up the story on Facebook because I want to make sales as a result of that story. Mm. For someone who is suffers with anxiety and that they're running their own business, um, what advice would you give them? And, and, the, and it's actually getting in the way. What advice would you give them in terms of being able to function effectively? It depends on the level of the anxiety, to be honest. I mean, that's a really hard one because everybody can have it at different levels. Um, I know for like, what try to work to your, 
to your best zone, your best time. So if you work best between 10 and two in the day, try to work between that time. And the other time, if your mind's like gone a bit foggy, don't worry about it. Do something relaxing. So mm -hmm. I, you'll notice I do most of my creative work between seven and midnight because that's my creative time. But during the day, I wake up, I have my cup of tea, I relax for an hour. That's like when somebody's finished work, they're relaxing. I just flip it around for what works for me. Um, also, um, sometimes you need to go and see a doctor. Um, sometimes natural medicines uh, help. But I mean, like once you start mentioning these things, you're getting into a huge debate. And I've had to do trial and error over many years to figure out what works for me. Um, so the, the first thing is just like, you have to go and research it and then figure out like what you can do to, um, which path you need to go down for treatment basically, because it really doesn't just disappear on its own. But that's such a, a, a subjective question that so many people are now going to say, but you should be doing this or you should be doing that. And you know what, that's the last thing anybody having anxiety wants to hear is being told what to do. Because all that you need to do is have relax, calm down, have people around you that are supportive at that time, and then it, it's, it's going gonna, it's gonna to pass. And I so, think what you said then about finding, you know, the best time of day in which you function well, for me, it's early on the morning. Whereas... Oh, no, I, how do you do that? Yeah, where your, your brain is kind of at its, at its optimum, kind of like from seven till midnight, that's when mine is shutting down. So it's, it's all about just finding your optimum times. And for me personally, I, I just like it, you know, as the day goes on, I find that you, my mind gets contaminated by things that I read, what I listen to. I like to start the day fresh. And, and I find personally that being more creative is, happens when I don't, haven't subjected myself to external influences. Yes. Yeah. I feel it's, I'm more creative because at nighttime the sun goes down, I relax, I'm calm. People go to mm -hmm. bed, everybody's asleep. I can focus mm -hmm. on my most creative work at that time or my, you know, the things that are most challenging, but during the day, there's too much white noise for me. You get interrupted with emails and calls and Facebook and things like that. Whereas at night, um, you just don't, I just, I don't have those interruptions. And that's often like while I work with a lot of clients globally, because it's morning time, their time, and night time, my time. So they're in their zone of their peak working time, and I'm in my zone of my peak working time. But we're on other sides of the world, which is like really amazing because you really can work from anywhere. And that's why I think now, I mean, the message I want to give out to anyone that was having anxiety or any kind of mental health is listen, we have technology now, and you don't have to go to an office to work. You can work from home if that's where you feel comfortable working. You can work from the cafe. You can work online. You can work different hours. You can work across different time zones. We've got flexibility and thank goodness for that. Because the five years I did the corporate job, I loved that job, Zoe. I loved it. But I tell you, every morning I felt like death until 11 a.m. I used to feel terrible. And then the afternoon, boom, I would do my work. And sometimes I'd go in on a Saturday afternoon when it was quiet just so I could think and do my work because I wasn't productive in the mornings to anybody there, I was still productive because my productivity is very high. But let's say I wasn't as productive as what I like, I, the standard I set myself in the mornings. It's interesting that we're talking about this because as, as we're talking about this, I'm also thinking that quite often it's the meaning that we give things. Like I've had times um, early on a morning, like where I've had, so I've had early morning meetings at eight o'clock and um, it, it would normally take me 
even though I am a morning person, this is when I, I used to, you know, having a morning meeting at eight o'clock isn't particularly something that, that I want. I would just get myself into the zone and I would do it. And it's the same thing, you know, if I have a meeting that's at 10 o'clock, I would just get myself into the zone, I would do it. And at 12 o'clock, I'd just get myself into the zone. So I think we do attach certain meanings. If I have to be up at an event a few weeks ago, I, there was an American client and they were doing an event here. So I was the person here that was setting everything up before they arrived. And then I found out that I needed to be running the event as well. And I had to be there at like 8 a.m., right? Now, normally that would freak someone out, but 8 a.m. But because it was work, I got up and it's like you you put on your um, acting persona. See, I should have been an actress, Zoe. In persona, and you pretend that you're somebody else and you go and get the job done. And that's exactly. the way it is. If it's work, it's different. Boom, I have to get this done. It needs to be achieved. That's that's getting done no matter what. If I could um, apply that same, um, if I could apply that to when I do my writing, because sometimes I procrastinate and I don't, because I'm writing a book at the moment, and I don't get my writing done on a morning. If I don't get it done on the morning, psychologically, I think, right, that's it, game over. Because I'm not productive in the afternoon because, I, because I've told myself this story that my most productive time is on a morning that's when I'm the most creative blah 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 so if I could apply the same principle that you know I applied you to can my- even make yourself a new name Zoe you can even make yourself a new name like all the actresses they have names that aren't their names so you can stay in the afternoon I'm going to be Anna and I'm going to be this amazing writer and boom I'm going to get the work done it's really great. Exactly. Yeah. I need to create a new persona, a new That's person, it. a new persona, maybe do a little bit of hypnotherapy on myself, you know, visualizing myself kind of, kind of being this person and being really productive and doing loads of writing on an afternoon. I'm sure, I'm sure I've got the word right, persona, or um, because Beyonce has one and she's spoken about it in interviews, how she'll be like very quiet off stage and and but when she goes on stage, she's a different person. In her mind, she's a different person. She's a performer on stage. Mm-hmm. So when we do our work, we are doing our performance mm-hmm. and um, all the world's a stage. I did a debate on that when I was younger. Dad helped me with that. All the world's a stage. You put on your performance, but then you can go and do what you need to do in your private time. So mm-hmm. you just put on that outfit. You put on that face when you sit down and you be that writer in the afternoon if you've got to get it done. Um, and that's how I that's how I do things. So my best times at night. But if I have to get something done, it's just by pure experience and having done it so many times and being on, you know, just knowing it off the back of my hand that I can sit down and do a marketing strategy at four o'clock in the morning or, mm-hmm. or eight a.m. in the morning if I had to. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's because it's experience. But I cho- I try to choose not to, if that makes sense. Mm-hmm. So someone asked me to speak at an event. I say, can I have the afternoon slot? <laughs> <laughs> okay, thanks, Charmaine. Charmaine, what is your why? Oh, why am I doing this? Okay, because I have this, I just love travelling the world. I will just say something about my languages there, English and Spanish fluent. Japanese, I was very good when I lived there for two years, but I wouldn't say that I was, like, fantastic now. My Vietnamese is pretty good to get they all know what I'm saying um that's definitely a difficult one um but I love to travel the world and I just want to meet as many people as I can is in as many different cultures and 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 just like see as much of the world as possible in my lifetime 
and that is my why. And that's why I chose a career that I can take my laptop and my phone and I can work online and travel from anywhere. Okay. I can see, I can see the sense in that. Um, what about having a family though, Charmaine? What about kids? Mm. Is this something that you've ever thought about? Has People been, are going to go, she said, mm. <laughs> is it, is it been a deliberate decision for you not to go down that route or? I never wanted to have children. I knew from a very young age, it wasn't my cup of tea. When I was working in my first job at 13 and a half, I was still going to school. I was so excited. I was working. I loved it. Um, and then because I wanted to travel and I, I just can't stop. Um, how could it be fair if I was to have children? Because you can't, like I don't even have a pet Zoe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> because it's not fair because once that, once I was to have children, all my focus would go to them because I'm that kind of person as it should do. Mm -hmm. um, and I just feel that's, that's not what I'm here for. It's not to say that I won't have my own children I mean, I might not have my own children, but there's a lot of people that I mentor that are younger than me um, mm -hmm. around the world and things like that. So you still, I still have an impact in that way, but having my own children, it's something I never really thought about. And everybody said I would regret it, but hey, I don't regret it. And mm -hmm. I think that, you know, every, every woman just has to make that decision for herself. Plus you also need to have a husband and I don't have one of those. So that kind of helps. But you don't need to have a husband these days. Um, I mean, because obviously that's the situation I found myself in. Um, because I'm kind of, I do want kids. And obviously, yeah. I, as, I'm, as I'm getting older and older, you know, the doctors are telling me that it's not going to be possible. And I'm still single. So, but there's lots of ways that you can do it in this day and age, um, where you don't need a husband. And and it's not something that I ever would have considered, but it's definitely something that I'm considering, very seriously considering, you know, like, like for, for instance, getting sperm donation. Well, I could tell you a funny story about that. I was at a certain age and it was my birthday and I had a midlife crisis earlier than most other people had midlife crisis because my lovely doctor decided to go and send me for that. God knows who's going to listen to this podcast, Zoe. Anyway, my doctor decided to go and send me for that test to see how many eggs you've got left, right? Oh, yeah. And I thought this was a good good time because I'd broken up with my partner and, you know, it's, it, I was very young and, you know, you've got to have these things tested and that. Mm -hmm. And so anyway, I made the appointment with her and I forgot to ask her and I went back to the waiting room and I was like, oh, my goodness, I forgot to ask how many eggs have I got, right? So mm -hmm. I knock on the door in between her appointments and I say, oh, Dr. McGill, I forgot to ask you. How many eggs have I got left? And she looked at me and she goes, oh, it's not very good, Charmaine. You hardly have any left. If I was you, I recommend you go to the sperm donor and buy the sperm and freeze your eggs. And it was my birthday. And you know what? I felt like I was in a Jennifer Aniston movie, Zoe. Mm -hmm. <laughs> oh, no. And it was the funniest thing ever. I said, oh, my God, it's my birthday. I'm this old. I'm single. I don't have children. And I've got no eggs. <laughs> So anyway, I don't know if other people might find that story funny, but I was like having a midlife crisis for about a week over it before I could laugh about it. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I mean, that is the challenge that I think a lot of women are experiencing. It's a challenge that a lot of women who, a lot of, you know, women that are focused on their career um, are experiencing, you know, that they've spent so long within the career and then, you know, they get to a point where, it's um 
not possible. It, where it's kind of not possible. And that's kind of what I found with myself. I have been focusing on that. But plus, I've always had the romantic notion that I would meet somebody because I was going to freeze my eggs many years ago. And I remember looking into it very, um, it was when I first moved to Dubai. And I was 37 at the time. And I remember looking into it like a lot. And then I just thought, you know, I'm not going to do this because I honestly feel that I'll meet somebody. And then it hasn't happened. And it's just kind of, it's got to the point now with me where I, yeah, I'm actually thinking very soon. And I, I, and I don't mind saying this on the podcast, but I'm thinking very soon about um, getting sperm donation and doing oh, IVF. At least you can pick the attributes that you like. I mean, you know, if I wanted to have children now, if I really wanted kids, I would do the same as what you're doing, Zoe. I it's would not, do the same if I wanted to have a third route because, um, you know, being an ex-social worker, um, I'm aware of like the identity issues that a lot of kids experience when they don't know who their birth parents are. And so I think you've, got to be quite selective I have looked into this a lot because there's some countries for instance Greece because I was in contact with a clinic in Greece and the sperm that is donated in Greece um, it's against Greek law to ever find out who donated it but apparently if if it's in the UK and I wouldn't ever want that I think naturally like kids are, are curious they're going to want to know um, they're going to get to a point where they want to know. So it wouldn't, it's definitely not my preferred route, but it's something that, you know, if there's no other option, then I, I would try it. But I would much prefer to, I'd much prefer to do it the traditional way. Because <laughs> yeah, you know, I decided, because I just decided I didn't want to have children. I mean, I do wish that I could gift that being able to have children to somebody else which mm. is different because you and I can both have kids, but there's some women that can't. And I know that they might be listening to this. And I know like when, you know, you mentioned the question about kids before when we were off air and I was like, oh, I don't know if we should touch on this one, Zoe. And then I said, no, let's do it because a lot of women that can't have children, honestly, if I could gift them my ability to have children, I would gift that to another woman. Mm. So uh, it's, it's, it's interesting how things turn out in life, but it was never on my radar and I'm very happy in the decision that I made. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to be more excited to find out about your sperm donor now. Well, look, I mean, I haven't, I haven't chosen. To, I've made a lot of inquiries. I'm, I'm not, I haven't chosen to go down that route 100%. Um, but it's something that I would certainly consider if I didn't have any other option. And I need and I, do think that, I do think there was a Jennifer Aniston movie about that one too. Yeah, and I need to be doing it very soon as well, um, very, very soon. But, yeah, there are options out there. Um, but if there are, is any woman, any single women out there who are focusing on kind of the career and they want kids, I would advise them to freeze their eggs because that's something that I wish I'd done when I was 37. And I just was like, oh, no, it's okay, I'll meet someone. And I and I didn't meet someone. I just I don't know what planet I was on, but I would definitely recommend. And I wish someone had said that to me. I wish someone had sat me down and just said, "Look, Zoe, you have 
do this, you've got to freeze your eggs. In fact, I did have one doctor say it to me a few years few years ago she said look you've got to do this but she wasn't kind of like you know she was quite um calm about it you know um yeah no, like no, if, no I, if, I, if I had a friend in that situation I'd be like look you have to do this there's any chance that you want kids do this now freeze your eggs especially if they've got the money available as well and I had the money at the time it's not like money wasn't an option I yeah it's not expensive I think they told me it was like ten thousand dollars or something at the time well yeah there's places you can go to and get it yeah. done for about five thousand dollars so there's there's always options but yeah I guess it depends you know I think in more developed countries such as Australia and America it is probably going to be a lot more expensive if you go somewhere like India um maybe Greece you can get it done a lot cheaper right I didn't know that about Greece well this has been really interesting because we've gone from digital marketing to anxiety to running a business and now to eggs freezing your eggs <laughs> <laughs> people are going to what the hell are those ladies talking about but it's all relevant to women in business exactly exactly let's change the the um the subject slightly or something to, uh, to morning routine. Right. Um, I know you said you're not a morning person, but when you do, you have a routine when you get up. For me, it's something I do. really, really yes. important. Um, what what I do you do? You tell me yours first. So I don't tend to look at my phone. I like to. I, I don't like to be contaminated by the outside world until I've done what I have to do. So um, I tend to, I like to go maybe at least an hour, sometimes two hours. I didn't do that this morning because I was speaking to you and I was preparing for a few things, but I do like to, first things first, number one is not look at my phone on a morning. And then I, um, I always start the day with ice cubes. I get two ice cubes oh. and I put them on my face. That to me is like having a, Apparently, it keeps you younger as well. It's supposed to be anti Botox? No, ice cubes. No, I said, is it like Botox? Um, well, it freezes your skin. It is supposed, I'm, look, I'm not really sure what it does. It does freeze, it is supposed to freeze your skin. Um, but obviously, it's not long lasting. I don't know. I just find it, it, it really refreshes me. It's like, because I don't drink caffeine, it's like having a cup of coffee on a morning. Mm. and um, it's I'm getting all these little pop-ups coming I think you, you might be able to hear the little you know bleep on on my computer but yeah that's the first thing what one is I don't look at my phone two I put ice cubes on my face then I do 20-30 minutes of kundalini yoga which is mm -hmm. uh, for a lot of people that, that don't know kundalini yoga is slightly different to like other forms of yoga like ashtanga and hatha it's it's not that physical but it's more about the breathing um so i find that's really just doing that really kind of balances my energy and balances my chi on a morning mm -hmm. then um if i've got work to do i'll get straight into my work or i'll maybe you know oh i also have water as well i'll try and drink about it's probably maybe you know, one of the first things I do as well, drink a pint of water, um, one or two pints of water. 
Um, after I've done my breathing, I may do more exercise, like go for a run or go for a swim, or sometimes I just get down and that's when I get started on my work. Wow, you're so good at work straight away. <laughs> so I on my phone, I have my ice cubes, I drink my water and I do my breathing. All that is non-negotiable. That's just not, I, I tend to do that every morning. Um, if I have time, I will do my um, Joe Dispenza um, meditation, which is a quantum healing meditation, but that's kind of like 40 mm -hmm. minutes long. So I, I like to end the day with that. But if I have time on a morning and I wake up early enough, if I'm waking up at like six o'clock, then I probably would do my Joe Dispenza meditation. Mm, well, that's a good one. Well, my morning routine is I wake up and I, and I don't like waking up <laughs> and I lean over and I have about 500 mils of water. I always have a bottle of water next to the bed and I drink that first and then I roll back over for like another 15, 20 minutes and just I need to keep my eyes shut while the brain starts working. And then I make myself a cup of green tea or green and jasmine is my favorite. Ever since I lived in Japan, I started drinking green tea and I think it's why my complexion is very good. Um, and then I go back and I have my second cup of tea and then I will pick up the phone and have a quick scan of the emails, just see if there's anything urgent that's come through. Um, and then I just take that time to relax, think about like setting up my day. Um, and then I, I get up and I go around and I do my errands. So if I have to go to the post office or I don't even know where I have to go to the post office anymore, supermarket or do anything like that. I like to get out and about and I like to have a chat with some random strangers mm. um, <laughs> because I work from home. So it's always good to interact. Um, and that, but yeah, my non-negotiable is like, I need that hour in the morning. Um, I drink my water, I have my green tea and I have to just like have that 20 minutes of not going back to sleep, but just shutting my eyes again and preparing for the day. And then after about an hour, I check the phone. Mm. But I don't do the scroll on Facebook or anything. I'm trying to like minimize my time on that. Um, and then if I exercise, it's more in the afternoon or evening. Mm -hmm. and I need okay. to exercise more actually. Okay. Yeah, I think we all do. I do too. Um, I, I used to try some Kundalini yoga. <laughs> the Kundalini is amazing. In fact, there's a fantastic the one that I do every morning. Um, it's it's on YouTube. I will actually send it over to you, and I will also post the link in the notes to this podcast because the people who are listening to this would probably get benefit from it too. It's absolutely amazing. It's it's a short. It's thirty minutes. Um, the last five minutes I don't normally do but the first 25 minutes I do, and it, it's absolutely incredible. Probably like having five cups of coffee on a morning. Um, you know, so, yeah, it's amazing. So, you know, after my ice cubes, oh, I always try and have a cold shower as well. That's something I've just started introducing in the last, uh, it starts lukewarm, and then I'll put it onto cold. Um, no, I like a nice hot shower. <laughs> I, I love a nice hot, hot shower, shower too, but... Oh, no, you know. no, but you're, in, you're living in Dubai. That's when I was in Vietnam. We would, I would have cold showers all the time. You'd have three or four showers a day, and I still love the cold shower in Vietnam. I love the climate that you're in, Zoe, that really, really... I love the heat and being able to go and have a cold shower and, funnily enough, a hot cup of tea during the heat also cools you down because mm. I don't drink coffee either. 
Um, I love it. Yeah, I love the kind of climate that you live in. It's amazing. Yeah, I love it too. But I do, going back to the cold showers, I'm not a fan of them at all. Um, and it's something that I've only just started introducing to my routine. And I know that's something that Tony Robbins does every day. He's got a cold plunge pool in his in his back. And, and it's something that he says he doesn't like doing, but he just does it every day because it makes him wake up. And I absolutely love hot showers, even living in the heat. I love being hot. I love hot showers. Um, so that is a big challenge for me. And I start lukewarm and then I put it on cold and then I try and stay under for like a minute. But the cold here isn't like the cold it would be in the UK or Australia. It would be ice cold. Um, right. Cold here is probably, you know, um, lukewarm for you guys, but it's still it's still challenging and it's something I'm working on. But I do find that it invigorates me and especially yeah. not drinking caffeine. I find that in the ice cubes and the Kundalini and the breathing. Um, yeah, it's just the difference that it makes is so good to not do it now. And if you miss yeah. out on doing the morning routine, yeah, I feel like something's missing during the during the day. But you know, you're still so drunk because you have to get the work done, and that's the way that it is. Um, but uh, yeah, I think a lot of well, it would be interesting to hear what a lot of women listening to this podcast, since this is my first one <laughs> ever, actually think about that um, morning routine as well, and and an evening routine too because at night I, I tend to work but then I do take my hour to unwind before I go to bed whereas a lot of other people have finished work hours and hours before but I just find the best advice I can give is just work in the zone that suits you definitely like, wise, because you're going to be the most productive at that time and during the other times do menial tasks that are easy or you don't have to think too much about but do your most important thinking work in the time that suits you if I mean if you can because obviously we don't have children and many women have children and a family and I understand that their challenges you know perhaps are different to ours but we all have our own challenges do you set yourself work blocks like do you do sprints say this is because this is something that I do throughout the day um I will maybe do like two hour sprints um, I set tasks and I tick them off and I go after that, for example, after these three tasks are ticked off because I still like notepad and paper. I put everything in my Google calendar, but I still like a notepad and paper. Mm. And so after these three tasks are ticked off, I'm taking lunch. After these three things are done, I'm having my cup of tea and my chocolate. <laughs> mm. After these three things are done, boom, I'm going for the walk. And so I divide it up that way because I don't know how long that task is going to take me. And sometimes though, I might have two or three days off work, Zoe, and then I'm in the zone and I will just do a week's work in one night and that's mm. me done for the week and it's great. And when that happens, I love it. Mm. Oh, I love it too. I love being in that zone. I wish I could yeah, be in that wonderful. zone every single day. <laughs> mm. <laughs> me too. How do you prepare your mind for the challenges of life? Oh, I, I think I don't. And that's the that's my secret because you, everything's going to change on you. You don't know what's going to happen when you wake up. You need to be flexible, adaptable, and, and nothing is going to be the way you plan it out. So that's the best thing you can do is just be ready for any contingency that's going to pop up during your day or your life and just move, move with it. So I, I don't plan. Do you do any type of meditation? 
Mm, well, I probably should say that I do. Um, but no, I don't. I try. I have a very hyperactive personality. The doctor said, there's nothing wrong with you. You were just born like that. I said, okay, thank you. Um, and it's something, you know, I try to do it. But I've, I listen, if I go for a walk or I'm out traveling or something, traveling is my meditation. That really like just puts me in a different zone. Mm. So, um, yeah, I know it's, it's the in thing to say these days, but no, I don't. Okay. Okay. Charmaine, what is the one thing that you are most proud of that you have achieved in your life? Oh, that's a difficult question. I don't know if I've achieved it yet. So far, oh, I always wanted to be a marketing consultant um, and have my own business. And for a long time, I was doing it, but I didn't feel that I was great at it, even though I was great at it at the time. We don't feel that we're, that we're doing great, but I definitely know I'm doing great at it now. And, and mm. I've achieved that. I've achieved what I wanted to do. I've, I've got a business. I can work from anywhere. I travel the world. And I do believe in myself that I am really have reached that pinnacle where I'm excellent at what I do. And mm. I think a lot of women don't give themselves enough credit for that. Mm. Um, and I think that that's really important because we're always thinking maybe we're not good enough. But from a younger age, I always asked for the pay rise. I always went into bat for myself. I always pushed to get those promotions. I've always pushed with the business. But you do need a certain amount of experience and failures and mistakes to actually know how to solve a problem in business. And, and know, oh, that strategy is going to suit that company or boom, we'll go that way with their marketing. And it becomes second nature. You don't have to think too much about it. And mm. I think that so far, I mean, for me, that's my greatest achievement because that's what I wanted to have above everything else. And now moving forward, I, I'm really focusing on helping other people that are younger um, or not even that are younger, anybody that wants to have a business and work online, be able to do that. But especially from developing countries. That's my side passion, which you'll hear more about in the future. Mm, interesting. Tell us, you said that you've just recently rebranded and that you have a course. Tell us about your course and what direction oh, that your business okay, is now going in. So there's a, there's a lot of people that are starting businesses every day that either don't want to do the nine to five or they're 65 and they're retiring and they're now wanting to do a business or it's been their lifelong passion to do it. And there's so many people in developing countries now that are freelancing and working online. Their populations are massive compared to ours. And I just, for coming from a marketing background, it was already, it was very systemized. Like when we wrote a brief for TV, there's a certain way that you write it. When you write a brief for a, a radio advertisement, there's a certain way that you do the script. And so I had these systems from a very young age. And then when I brought it over into digital marketing, I found it a bit like nobody's got a system. What's going on? Is this kind of legit, you know? And now digital marketing, of course, is legit because we're here and we're, we're going along. But I find that, you know, people, if you didn't know marketing, if you didn't study marketing or grow up around it, how are you going to know how to write an artwork brief for the flyer that you want done or the graphic for your podcast, for example? Or how are you going to write a brief for a website? Whether you're giving it to somebody in your home country to do or another country, it doesn't matter. Unless you know how to brief you can't get the job done correctly. And unfortunately, creative types of people, and not all creative people, let me just not generalise, some creative people don't provide their clients the templates or the briefs to complete. 
and I saw a big gap in the market. And then last year when dad passed, I almost dumped this course, Zoe. I almost dumped it because I said, ah, people probably would have created this by now. And when I came back to doing the work this year, I was like, people haven't created this. Why is the client sending me 10 emails about what they want done? And I just send them my template to fill out and ask them all their questions. So I'm basically teaching people how to outsource. I'm teaching people how to do marketing and I'm giving them the templates and the tools and the training of where to find people, number one. Secondly, prices to pay in your home country and prices to pay if you're doing it offshore. But I'm actually training you in how to outsource certain tasks. And I think that this is um, a big gap in the market because we've got plenty of platforms to go to, but unless you know how to talk to those freelancers, the client and the freelancer or the creative and never speak the same language. And, you know, me liking languages, right? Mm -hmm. it's, it's not just understanding what someone says, it's comprehending it. So it's when I give a brief or a set of instructions, the other person has to actually understand English, but comprehend it. And if they don't know what I'm talking about, the job doesn't come out right. And this is where you get delays in your marketing. And there's lots of people that can't afford a digital marketing agency. They can't afford to come to me and pay my rates to do their whole business. So where do those people go? And I was that person 12, 15 years ago when I started out with my agency. And so I just created these steps and templates along the way. And then I decided, well, I'm going to put it into a course, a video course with all the templates and, um, and put it out there for people so that they can make less mistakes, save more money and have less headaches. So they're not screaming at the computer. Like I have many times when something hasn't been done right until I systemized it. So, yeah, so that's anyway, that's going to come out at the end of this week. Fantastic. It sounds, sounds amazing. And I know there's a lot of work that has gone into this as well. And as part of this course, over the years with your digital marketing agency, you've, um, you've built up a good kind of network and list of, um, of, of workers. Um, I, I don't know the, the correct terminology. Freelancers. <laughs> People that are the best at what they do. And I never shared that with anyone because people would always ask me and I'd think, well, hold on, I went to so much effort to find those people, hire them and train them. And this is the one reason that I felt I was letting the team down last week because part of this is that people that um, purchase the course get access to my own team members, mm. my own team members, and I want them to have more direct clients and so that's what I felt that I was letting them down. But then I said, listen, we just do it this week. We're only a week delayed. Let's like just look at it in a different perspective. So, I mean, there's only 12 to 15. So not everybody's going to be able to, to work with them. And sometimes they might be suitable and they might not be suitable. But actually, I um, spoke to a friend of mine, Nathan, who runs uh, Free Up, the Free Up Marketplace online. And um, he has kindly... Um, given me $25 um, coupons to use for people that purchase the course as well to go to his platform and they um, get to brief in their first $25 task. Basically, they're getting that for free. Oh, that's amazing. And for anyone out there that has ever used freelancers and the, you know, any of the outsourcing comp companies out there, um, one of the biggest challenges is finding quite often it's like looking for a needle in the haystack so one of the biggest challenges is finding uh you know someone good to work with and i guess you've done all that groundwork you've gone through the 
you know, the months and months of kind of like training them up. And, you know, you've basically, I guess what you what you have got is the best of the best. Yeah, that's right. But also, funnily enough, in the course, I do teach you how to do it. It's called rapid fire elimination, where you can go through like 50 profiles in half an hour following my checklist and narrow it down to like your top five. And uh -huh. I thought other people enjoyed doing this, Zoe, but they didn't. And I live for this. I sit up at night and I love going through profiles and I love sourcing talent. And just last night, I was on a different platform, just going through, having a look, just like shortlisting people that I liked as well because I find it fun. And then I realise the rest of the population doesn't find this fun. What's wrong with everybody? You know, mm -hmm. but it's just, I enjoy doing it. And so I'm going to be adding to my team member section as well. It doesn't guarantee that they're going to be the best fit for your business because I picked them for my business. However, I know the work that they do and that they get it done on deadline and it's worth to go there first right before you start going searching but i've given them a, a rapid fire elimination technique to use to get through like up to 50 profiles in 30 minutes oh that sounds really interesting <laughs> so i've made it i've made the most the most arduous task really 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 simple for people and it, can you give us a little bit of an insight or, or do we have to buy yes. your course no 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 i give you an insight i love giving insights so the first thing you do is you put a secret question in with your job brief and you have to know how to do the job brief, which I train you how to do in the course. So it's not just like learning. I'm giving you my real life experience. I'm actually um, outsourcing a task in the course and you follow along. Right. And you put a secret question in. So when people reply, if they're just giving you a stock standard um, template answer, boom, they're, they're deleted straight away because you asked for a cover letter. And then I'm looking, did they, uh, did they answer my secret question right? So I'll give you an example. It could be something as easy as, what is the name of my company? <clears throat> and I've already written the name of my company in the job brief. Go to charmarketing.com. I need graphics for this page or I need a blog post written, right? And then if they can't answer, oh, if they can't go back and read, oh, the name of a company was Char Marketing then they did not comprehend. It's like when we did multiple choice, they didn't read and comprehend and answer my question, right? They're immediately off the list. Because you know the person didn't take the time to read your instructions, how are they going to work with you in the future? Mm. Mm. And you can wipe out at least 50% of your candidates like that. Okay, interesting. Yeah. So I that's one of my top tips. I always struggle with the pricing always you know i mean this i found a really good guy recently and they did some artwork and it was really interesting actually because he had two profiles on the um freelancing site and right. and i'm quite perceptive with language and you know when i see kind of written language and and i suspected that they were the same profile um mm -hmm. he so i'd had work done with one profile and then he, um, I felt that he was being a bit unfair and he was overcharging. So I paid right. and I thought, you know, I'm not going to do any further work with, with him. And then I got contacted by somebody on Messenger on Facebook. And he basically said, go and, you know, I can do this, go and look at my Fiverr gig. So I went and had a look and I said, actually, I really like that artwork. I want you to do that mm -hmm. for me. And then as we were talking, um, and I just thought, you know, this is the same person. I don't know why. It was just something at the back of my head. And I never mentioned anything to him, and he completed the work. But then he 
genuinely thought that I felt that they were two different people. So he was still corresponding to me as two different people saying, you know, how's your podcast going? Blah, blah, blah. And um, yeah, and, and then I challenged him on it and he, and he yes. kind of like apologized. But he also, when I needed a, there was a podcast I did with somebody and the audio was really poor because it was in a restaurant and I wasn't able to upload it. And I think anyone, even the most experienced um, audio editor, wouldn't be able to salvage that because it was really shit. And mm. and he was like, oh, I'll be able to help you with this. And I've already, and I said to him, it's okay, I've already agreed to do it again. And he was mm. like, um, I've already, because I was already, I said, I've already agreed to do the interview again with the individual. And he was like, look, I can salvage it for you. I'll do this. And I was like, okay, how much? I think he was going to say about $40 or something. He was like $200, but I'll charge you 100. And I'm like thinking, do you know, it, that just completely loses the trust for me when people come in at a high price. Yes, but in the freelance market, people are going to try. It's like going to the markets in Vietnam. If they think, or in any country, I love Vietnam though, but um, if they think that they can get more money from you, they will. It depends on how well you negotiate. So that's what else I do is I teach people in this course. I give them a rough idea of what they would be paying. So a minimum and a maximum around that. But I also discuss it's also not always best to go for the cheapest person because I know that there's people that are less expensive than me in marketing, but they might take six weeks or eight weeks to do a job. And actually just last night I heard that somebody I quoted um, a marketing project to um, said it was too expensive and yet three months later that project isn't complete. So they, they paid half the price, but their project isn't up. How much money have they lost now in, in revenue by not having it up? So I go over with people when you are freelancing and outsourcing and you're a startup, right? And so finances are, are somewhat tight. I do give them a minimum and maximum. And I do actually show them my, my little um, extra little things I pop into my job briefs and how I figure out if I'm being overcharged as well. So there's certain ways that I've worked out how to do that over the years and that's in there too. So with all of that experience, I help people get the best job for the best price. But most importantly, what they want to do is find freelancers that they can build long-term relationships with that become team members. So you don't have to go through what I call source and hiring again. Mm -hmm. So if you only ever have to do that once or twice and then you're on your team and you've agreed on the prices, like people are on my team, I don't have to now go finding a blog post writer because I've got four on my team. And if one's not available, someone will be available. And I've agreed on the rate and actually I standardise the rate across the team. And it's a very good rate what I pay um, because I want to have good work and then they'll prioritise my work as well. So um, I go through that with people as well. It's just things that you can't learn. Listen, I wouldn't know it unless I'd been doing it for 15 years. And I just thought people weren't interested in it. And now I realise they are. When I go to the markets in, in Thailand, I would normally half. Or when I'm in India and they give me a yes. price, I would normally half it. Would you That's say right. it's the principle? Well, no, because it depends on the task that you're outsourcing. So with graphic design, if they're having to use like, um, you know, Photoshop, Adobe, Illustrator, if it was for print and it has to go to the printer, so there's certain things that have to be put in like lead lines and cuts and CMYK colours and things like that, I know that that task is going to take longer. 
So then I understand why they're charging me that price. So I can't say go half because I mean, it's, it's, it's subjective again. So I give people an idea of, listen, it depends on what you may think is simple isn't exactly simple from the designer's perspective or the freelancer's perspective. But the more information a client can give the freelancer, the faster the job's going to be. And also I don't pay on time anymore. I stopped using the, the, the time trackers. I pay via project because I know now how long a project's gonna take. So I can say to you, listen, Zoe, you need this project done. If you were gonna outsource this now, it would take no more than 10 hours. And, you know, for an experienced graphic designer, depends which country you're hiring from, I wouldn't go below $10 an hour. So, you know, maybe $100 would be great for that and you'll get your real money's worth. And I know some people might then say, well, I could do that for $3 an hour or $50, but you pretty much know the quality that you're going to get after you've been doing it long enough. And if you get it back a bad graphic and then you've blown $50 and then you have to go and spend $100, now you've just spent $150. But you know what's worse? How much time did you waste? How much time did you lose because that wasn't ready for your project? And that's what a lot of freelancers don't realise is when they mess up or make mistakes or maybe is it's the time to the client that is the most precious. When somebody wastes my time, I get more frustrated about that when I, than, when I, than if it was my money. Yeah, yeah, no, I can. So I go through all of those things so that people starting out don't go through what I went through figuring it out. But I do have the advantage of coming from a corporate marketing background where I worked with an in-house design team for five years. So I was trained to do it from, you know, from my early 20s. So it's just time to pass that information on now. Yeah, definitely. I mean, what, what you're telling me, it sounds like people out here, out there, who are hiring freelancers need to know that information and more and more people are doing it. More and more people are, are outsourcing to sites such as Fiverr, Upwork and, and whatever. Um, so it, yeah, it really does sound that you've got a lot of valuable information there that you can, uh, that you can share with people. Yeah, that's right. So I'm really looking forward to that. And it will be at the end of this week, everybody, because I'm taking it easy this week. The team and I are doing a take two on the launch. <laughs> nice and easy okay okay i know we've been talking a while i've just got a couple I know. questions to Zoe, we said 45 minutes we've been going for an hour have we oh yeah. my god oh well listen let me just uh, ask you one more question then all right a couple more I, want. I, I can answer them faster okay so there's lots of women charmaine all over the world they don't have the same opportunities as we've been given and I know you've witnessed that a lot with the people that you work with in, in uh, Vietnam, the third world countries. What would be your one bit of advice to any woman who would like to achieve something, um, but she feels as though there's something stopping her and holding her back? Uh, you can do it no matter what. And especially in this day and age with technology, um, if you can make something happen online, go to an internet cafe, get together with other women. There's so many opportunities now that you can do. I know there's a lot of women that can't work outside of the house in certain countries as well, but they can work um, from home now online. And um, just, you know, don't give up because when I started out and I was 13 and 15, moved out of home, like I, I had no future. I could have gone completely the wrong way, Zoe. And, and I didn't because you just have to hold on to that. It will all 
it'll all figure it itself out one day. You just have to keep going. You're just going to learn along the way and try to find like a mentor as well, someone that can help you out. So I, I hope that that's good advice. I think Definitely, advice. 100%. In today's moving times, how important is it for you to keep educating yourself and keep learning? Very important. I do it all the time by investing in um, different like marketing courses, but also by traveling, because I think traveling is the best education that you can have, because you work with people from all over the world, you learn tolerance, you learn what to do in emergency situations, you know how to take care of yourself, you're flexible, you're adaptable, it's the way that the world's going. And so um, education isn't just about going to university or doing a course. It might even be going out to a meetup or a hobby or just taking yourself out of your comfort zone. So I think that's the key, really, is education. Okay. All right. Thank you so much. Charmaine, I'd like to thank you for your time today. I really appreciate you. And I know we've gone on a little bit longer than, than I said we would. Um, but thank you so much. Thank you so much for deciding and, and having this as your first podcast. I know. Well, thanks for having me on. And it'll be really good to hear everyone's feedback. <laughs> and um, I love what you're doing with these podcasts because I saw you starting to do them. And, you know, I was liking and following along and watching and, and started listening to them. And so, you know what? I'll tell you one thing just to sum up. At first, I noticed that, we're, that nobody was liking your podcast. And now you started to get likes and loves. And now you started to get comments. And I noticed these things. And then I didn't really listen to one. And then I started listening to them. And this was over a course of a few months. And this is really, really good feedback for anyone in business. Even though we might not be liking or commenting, we're still listening. We're still listening. So I'm really loving watching your journey grow right now. Yeah, thank you. And you're, and you're right there because... No, it's, it's a difficult one, isn't it, with the whole um, Facebook thing and the likes and, you know, we all have an ego and it doesn't matter how much we say that we're not kind of governed by our ego, we are. And, and I noticed that nobody was liking them as well, but I just continued to do it. And quite often it was on my personal Facebook page and mm -hmm. um, I feel that I'm getting more and more now. And, mm -hmm. and You are, because I noticed it. Yeah. And this is good advice for women. Whatever you're doing, keep doing it. Don't think that because the whole world isn't noticing it that you're not actually having an impact on other people. Yeah, I mean, I knew that people are listening to them because I've got my stats on the downloads. So I know that people are listening to these and I've got, a, you know, I have a good audience in America. Um, so I don't know who's listening to them, but there's people out there listening. But yeah, um, the whole likes thing, I would say to people, don't be too bogged down by the, the amount of likes that you get. And it did used to bother me because I think, oh my God, I could put a selfie on Facebook of me in a bikini on a boat or whatever with my ass stuck in the air. And I'd get like, <laughs> I'd get over a hundred likes. And then the Unfortunately. <laughs> and then, you know, Stuff that's coming from my heart and I'm really trying to kind of progress in terms of my career and I'm putting myself out there like no one's liking it and I'm thinking oh shit what's going on here but you know I'm I'm just going to keep going I'm trying not to focus on that I'm trying to focus on just giving value and I know I've still got a long long way to go but you know hopefully with with each podcast that I do I'm I'm going to improve and I'm going to get better yeah. Well, the right people are listening. And even though they might not be commenting, especially if it's about mental health, that may be why they're not liking or commenting, but it doesn't mean that they're not listening and like that's not changing their life in some way. 
And I think that that's really important. And so when we start out something, don't throw the baby out with the bathwater and give up on it just because someone's not liking your work. If you feel it's what you really want to do, then keep going with it, no matter what. So, yeah, 100%. We're on the same page. On that keep note. Keep me updated about the other things. <laughs> on that note, thank you so much. I'm going to stop the recording now.